0: Life Audio. Today we're going to be going through a really special psalm, Psalm 84. And in fact, it was a psalm that Spurgeon called the Pearl of the Psalms. And I think you're going to find out why as we dive into it, because it's talking about this idea of sacred space. And it's such a special way to describe God's dwelling place with his people. So after a word from our sponsor, we're going to dive into today's episode. Stay tuned. If you're ready to grow in your faith and to step confidently into the calling God has for you, then join me as we dig deep into God's Word so that you can learn to live out your faith in your everyday life. Hey friends, welcome back to the Hearing Jesus Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Grohl. Today we're going through Psalm 84, which is a really special psalm that's called one of the peace Psalms. And if you're just joining us, we're going through one Psalm a day and we're reflecting on some of the history and the culture and the context around that. And the reason why we're doing that on the Hearing Jesus podcast is because Jesus and the disciples refer back to the Psalms more than any other book. And so my thinking on that is if this is important to Jesus, it should be important to us as well. And so we are doing daily devotional readings. If you would like to dig a little bit deeper, every Monday I send out an email that talks about the the summary of what we've talked about in each of those psalms. There's a journaling prompt. And what I find is journaling is a great way to help me get the information from my head and into my heart. And those, again, they're sent to you completely free every Monday. You can sign up for that newsletter at shehears.org. And then additionally, if you would like to go back to the beginning and start from the intro to psalms and work. way through, what I've done is I compiled all of these audio devotionals linked into a guided journal that has a key verse, the journaling prompt and space to actually write out, you know, your journaling. And so you can either print that out, you can use it digitally. It's only $5. Again, it's just a resource to help you process this information. Because one of the things we talked about even just earlier this week is this this kind of listening that is obedient listening. So we're not just listening to the word of God, but we're obeying the word of God. We're allowing it to change our lives. That true key is repentance. How are we going to live our lives differently in response to reading God's word? And and that's my goal for you. So I'm starting in verse one of Psalm 84, and I'm reading from the NIV. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God, Even the sparrow has found a home, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may have her young, a place near your altar. O Lord Almighty, my King and my God, blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, who have set their hearts on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength, till each appears before God in Zion. Hear my prayer, O Lord God Almighty. Listen to me, O God of Jacob. Look upon our shield, O God. Look with favor on your anointed one. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. O Lord Almighty, blessed is the man who trusts in you. So Psalm 84 probably sounds a little familiar because there have been several praise and worship songs that have been written using these words as lyrics. And it really is such a sweet psalm. It's it's considered a peace psalm. And there are lots of reasons that we would call it a peace psalm, but I think it really centers around this idea of sacred space. And what is sacred space? What is the dwelling place of God? And so in verse 1 it says how lovely is your dwelling place and we find different hymns throughout the psalms and throughout the old testament but and even in the ancient near east like the, the greater mesopotamian area we would find other hymns that would lift up this idea of these holy cities and their temples and we know from history that temples were not unique to israel in the ancient near east that was part of the culture and Psalm 84 takes a look at what that looks like inside of the Israelite culture and it really concentrates on the delight that it was to to visit Jerusalem, to visit its temple because the temple was seen as where God dwelt. Now you have to remember this was not, not like it is right now. Now we have after Jesus died and he resurrected and he sent the Holy Spirit and we have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit as believers, we can be in God's presence, God dwells in our spirits, God dwells in us. And so we don't have to go somewhere to find find God. It's, it's not like our churches today are the only place that God dwells because God dwells within us. But back then, this is prior to Jesus, this is prior to the impartation of the Holy Spirit, they had to go where God dwelled. And so to go to Jerusalem, to go to the temple where God dwelled that was a huge thing for them it was It was a goal for them, and that's part of the reason why there were so many festivals and celebrations that would be centered around the temple because there would be these pilgrimages where people would come to the temple and So the language of the courts is consistent with the view that the temple is a palace of God, and we see that language used in a lot of different places but but really, I want to look at the bigger aspect of what sacred space is. So, if you remember, when Jacob had his encounter with God, with Yahweh, he recognized that as a special place where that meeting actually took place. That's back in Genesis twenty-eight, and then with Moses, Moses had this experience that that to was a divine visitation that that set him apart and set that space apart. That space was then made holy because it was the space around God's presence. We see that in Exodus chapter three and Exodus chapter 19. And then there's this ongoing presence of God in the midst of Israel when they needed provision and protection and they have the sanctity of the, the tabernacle and the tabernacle became the dwelling place of God. We see that in Exodus 29 and Exodus 40. And then the, the place that, the sacred presence w- was, for the most part, the, the, the longest enduring location of God's presence was in Solomon's temple. And we can read about that in 1 Kings chapter 8. And so what we're seeing is whenever God touched the earth, whenever he came down and he had this interaction with his people, this connection point, this is the connection point between this realm of heaven and earth, They they called that a sacred space. And the temple very much served as that point for ancient Israel. You can read about that in First Kings 8. And so that's what we're talking about, this idea of sacred space, this this touch point between heaven and earth where God comes down and he makes himself known and he dwells with his people. So again, this is something that is so common to the ancient people that would have been originally reading this verbiage that sometimes I think it's lost on us because we don't necessarily have this sacred space that we go to, you know, even for most of our churches, if you would think about what like a cultural counterpart would be, there's so many of us that do online church or we do home church or we, you know, I do church in the neighborhoods or in the villages, you know, church looks different because it's no longer about a location because the sacred space is now this interaction we have through the Holy Spirit within our own hearts. But, but back then that's not how it was and with the ancients when when they recognized that a geographical space was considered sacred then there would be a temple built over that space and sometimes temples were built on top of temples on top of temples you know it, um it was really um difficult to get down to even now, I mean, you you can see layers upon layers. It's difficult to get down to virgin soil because there's always these foundation stones that, that, that are there. And the way that temple architect, architecture works is because there's a degree of sacredness, there's an inner sanctuary, and then there's an outer perimeter of walls, and that becomes the whole temple compound. And so with Solomon's temple... There was symbolism of a garden and it was guarded by gates and cherubim. You remember reading about the cherubim or hearing about that or seeing pictures of that. And that basically suggested it was like an entryway into heaven. There was a large tank of water that was called the sea. You can read about that in First Kings chapter 7. And that may have symbolized this, this ocean over which God presided as the king. For the ancient Israelites then, it was the stability of the cosmos and Um, the stability of them as a nation that really bound together their interaction with Yahweh within his temple. And so visiting the temple for the ancient Israelites was a way to gain a glimpse of God's presence on earth. And it was seen as the center of power and how they ruled the world. And so, you know, the way that the ancients viewed Israel Israel would have been the center and then everything else was emanating, emanating out from it, which is really interesting because Israel is a very, very tiny blip on the map. Like even in terms of ancient Mesopotamia and the ancient Near East, they were this tiny little blip on the map, but it was seen as this was the center of power and rule because of God's dwelling inside of this temple. I think we're going to take a break here and we're going to hear a word from our sponsor. And when we come back, we're going to talk more about the temple. Stay tuned. So, within the temple, in verse 3, I want to read: it says, Even the sparrow has found a home and the swallow a nest for herself where she may have her young, a place near your altar, O Lord Almighty, my King and my God. Well, a place near the altar. So, the most holy place inside the temple, which would contain the Ark of the Covenant, the Ark of God's presence, was the most sacred place within the temple. And it was only accessible to the high priests. Um, you can read about that in Leviticus. But remember, the Levites were the ones that were in charge of the temple. The, that was the tribe of Levi. And so those were the only people that had access to this inner place, this inner sanctuary. And the altar of incense, which they would be burning, was burned within the holy place. And that could only be approached by a priest, the, the a Levite, a Levitical priest. And so the altar of sacrifice in the temple court was the most important center of activity for the average worshiper because that's what they had access to. And so what the psalmist is doing is marveling at the 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 blessing it is for a small bird to have a nest so near, probably tucked into one of the niches somewhere in the structure of the sanctuary itself that could overlook the court and the altar because that, that little bird could go somewhere that humankind could not, the majority of humankind, because if you were not a Levitical priest from the tribe of Levi, you would not dare get so close to the altar. The priests at the time would have had a place to live within that temple compound. Um but for the for the most part, you know, when they would have these pilgrimages, they would be on that outer court. And so it talks about the pilgrimages. Um and during these festivals, the Israelites would would have this huge journey from their homes and they would come and they would worship at the temple in Jerusalem. And then jumping down to verse 10, when it talks about better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere, that's straight out of a, I mean, you'll hear a worship song that says those words that are straight out of this passage. And what that's really talking about is it's a parallel to the tents of the wicked. And so, you know, just like there was these courts, the courts meaning like the temple court, the outer part of the court of this temple, just like Israel had this to worship Yahweh as the dwelling place of Yahweh the surrounding nations would have these really opulent tents that served as a place to worship the false gods. And there would be all sorts of craziness. There would be temple prostitutes and, you know, all sorts of chaos going on there. And just the fact that they were opulent, you have to remember, how did they get those riches? Well, most of the time, the way the wicked got their riches by was by taking advantage of the poor, the marginalized, the the, the the other people that they, they essentially stole and took advantage of. And so when it's saying there's one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere, it's a message that one day in the court of this temple court within the presence of Yahweh is better than a thousand days in the tents of the wicked. And a lot of this other verbiage is really self-explanatory. Um, When it talks about, in verse 11, uh, being a sun and a shield, it's essentially just saying that the Lord is giving light to those who yearn for these courts of of the Lord because they long to be in the presence of God. And he protects them on their way to and from the house of God. It's just some beautiful imagery. There's lots of talking about um, being blessed. We see that throughout the psalm. And it's really this idea that this life of faith is, is sometimes a metaphor for the journey to the temple because it's in the temple where they meet God and they experience his presence and that that is a common theme throughout the Old Testament throughout the Psalms especially where when we talk about why is the temple so special well it's not just a religious thing for them it was experiential that's where they experience God's presence and one of the things you, you may remember, and we're not going to get into like, this huge study of the temple today, um, but that the difference or the barrier between the inner court and the outer court. So inside that Holy of Holies, that place where only the priests were able to go. And there's like a, a whole bunch that goes into this. I mean, how their purification rituals and things that they had to make sure of before they even entered into that place. But it was separated by this huge curtain a really thick, huge curtain that went from floor to ceiling. And at the time when Jesus died, that, that temple curtain was torn into, not by people like the Holy Spirit did that. God did that. And so it, it represented this ability that, that, um, through Jesus, we have access to God and there is no barrier. And so It's hard for us, I think, sometimes to imagine or identify with some of this temple language because we just don't understand it because we've always lived in a time frame where we had access to God's spirit, but it wasn't always that way. And so that's why I think this is such a beautiful psalm because it's talking about this desire, this yearning to be in the dwelling place of God. And it's really describing people who are so devoted to God that above everything else, they desire to be in God's house and to experience the nearness of God and to worship him and to be with other believers and to receive this blessing as a testimony to others of God's goodness through his presence. And I wonder if we recognize that today because While we have God's Spirit and God's presence in us, there is something very special about the corporate worship experience. You know, it talks about in scripture do not give up the habit of meeting together for this is good, because we were created with this desire and this need to be in community and relationship with each other. And I think, as much as I love the convenience of online church and, you know, all the things that God is doing through the internet and, you know, social media and all those kinds of things, God is certainly using those as tools. They can't replace this sense of community that we have, that we gain by being in relationship with other believers. And so I want to point that out because I don't know that our soul yearns for those kinds of things. The corporate worship experience... If you've never experienced it, I would encourage you to look for a local church, a Bible-believing church, where you can get in close fellowship with other believers, because as much as I can pour into you and as much as I can share what I'm learning and, and what I want you to learn, there's something different about having somebody to put their hand on your back and pray for you when you're crying. There's something very different about having somebody drop off a meal to you when you're sick. Or when you you know you had a baby. Like we were created to do life together. And I long for that for you, but that has to be a decision that you make for yourself. That's my little sidebar for today. There is a blessing, and what we're seeing in this psalm, there's a blessing for those who are dwelling in God's house. And so essentially those people who go to God's house to go to this temple, they and even now they're prepared for and seeking his presence and i think that is the key to receiving this blessing because it is a blessing to experience the nearness of god in a corporate setting there's this opportunity for this renewed spiritual strength for answered prayers to receive honor from god to give him honor one of the one of the things i want to point out and we're we're about done and then i'm going to read it again in verse 11, when it talks about no good thing does he withhold, I love that because that promise is specifically directed to those who truly set their goal to live by God's standard and to live by God's truth. And so, our part is to live by the principles and the guidelines and things we learn in scripture and how God's word tells us how to live our lives and to trust Him with our lives. And so, when we do that, His promise is the provision that he provides everything for our good, physically, spiritually, and eternally. And so I think that's a really unique promise that sometimes we overlook. But I I wanted to point that out. And then given that insight, I'm going to go back and I'm going to read Psalm 84, starting back at verse 1. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord Almighty! My soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out, for the living God even when the sparrow even the sparrow has found a home and the swallow a nest for herself where she may have her young a place near your altar o oh, lord almighty my king and my god blessed are those who dwell in your house they are ever praising you Blessed are those whose strength is in you, who have set their hearts on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. Hear my prayer, O Lord God Almighty. Listen to me, O God of Jacob. Look upon our shield, O God. Look with favor on your anointed one, that it is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. O Lord Almighty, blessed is the man who trusts in you. God, we thank you for the treasure of your presence and your house and your dwelling space. Lord God, as we meditate on this idea of sacred space. Help us to recognize Mm. what that is in our lives. What is sacred space in our lives? This interaction point, this point where we interact with you. God, I thank you that you long to be a God that comes down to meet us where we are, that we don't have to strive to climb these, make these towers and climb up and, and, and create sacred space, but that you are a God that longs to reach down and meet us in our humanity where we are. God, I thank you for that provision. And I pray that as we pursue sacred space in our lives, as we pursue this dwelling place for you to have this authentic interaction and experience you, that we would be blessed because of who you are and that interaction. Not that we're seeking blessing, but that we would recognize that your presence is a blessing. God, I thank you for your presence in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey friend, before we go, I just want to remind you of something. If you are struggling with something, or if you're having questions about some of the content we're learning on the show, or if you need somebody to pray with you, or you need to talk through something, or you have an area of your life that just seems to be a barrier in your relationship with God, I want to let you know that I do offer spiritual direction and one-on-one life coaching, and I usually do a combination of both. And so if you are wanting a session, you can find the link to schedule that at shehears.org. There's a section called Work With Me. And I would love to just kind of dive into some of those issues and pray alongside with you. Sometimes we just need that extra accountability to make sure we're going to do the things that God has called us to do. If that's you, then hit me up. I will be more than glad to walk through some of that with you.